Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're revisiting all those amazing reality shows that were unfortunately, or sometimes fortunately, cut short after one season. Today, we are going to be delving into one of my favorites, NYC Prep. Today is episode one, which is titled Top Half of the 1%. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. Let's begin. Let's do it. Um, so it's we haven't recorded in six weeks, so we have a little bit of house cleaning. Um, I will start off with Twitter. I can't believe six weeks go by that fast. It makes me feel old. I know. It makes me feel like I don't have a life. Yeah. Because um, I don't have time to do this, and this is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, so on the 18th of November, Heather tweeted us um, an article about it's been 10 years since the Hills, Kelly Catron, about Kelly Catrone from Refinery29 that I uh, retweeted so everyone can see. Um, Reply Reality on the 18th said, One Hit Pod is back. Um, Black Heart Fire, which I'm sure means cool things if you're a mill, which <laughs> I'm not. Um, Princess of Malibu. I was like, Black Heart Fire? <laughs> <laughs> um, cannot wait. Um, and we're excited to be back. Yeah. Um, Let's see, Chris M. at Mass T1, excited for the new episode in the series. I've never actually seen any of Prince's, and it's not on iTunes, Netflix, etc. Maybe I can find some on YouTube, because it's not the same if I haven't seen the episodes. Um, let's see, Heather replied to him that they are on YouTube, and you can rent the DVDs old school style from Netflix. Um, Chris replied, I watched episode one, and I'm with Hey, It's Mayor B. It's going to be difficult to get through this series. My friend asked which show we had done the most recently, and I said, oh, Princes of Malibu, and she's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's Spencer Pratt and Brody Jenner's show before they were on the hills, and her mind was kind of blown, and then she said, ew. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Um, and then Chris responded, what, praise Jesus? Um... Then Heather and I had a whole back and forth about um, the New Hills and the the cast members that are going to be on it. Um, And then you guys had a back and forth about Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heather, I hope you've listened to that podcast and that you're enjoying it. It's still one of my favorites, and I discovered it, I think, four years ago. Oh, and Heather, by the way, thank you for the lovely holiday card. I (laughs) loved it. It was great. (laughs) Still displayed proudly in his apartment as we speak. Um, Heather wishes happy Thanksgiving. Um, oh God. <laughs> let's see. I know, it's, it's so long it's ago. It's January. Um, Chris said, at one hip so I've only watched episodes one and two, but after listening to y'all recap episode three, I think it's funnier if I haven't watched the episodes. The images in my head are probably funnier anyway. Um, oh, that's sweet. Chris said, just to finish the last episode, and I'm beyond excited to hear that the next ep- series will be NYC Prep. It's the best worst show ever. Oh, I totally agree. Um, can't wait to discuss it today. Um, Heather said, oh, I'll have to buy the season. I've had it bookmarked waiting for this occasion. Um, Heather, let all of us know, and you guys need to know that Music City is back on um, Country Music Television, or CMT. Um, it started on the 3rd. Um, I have it recorded. I haven't watched it yet. Um, and that's it. That's it for Twitter. Nice. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's January, so I feel like maybe we should make a resolution to try and put out an episode every other week. Oh, yeah. I'm all over it. Yeah. Which, <laughs> right now, after six weeks, that sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's not a lot. And, I mean, now that the holiday season... I mean, November through January 1st is just a nightmare time for me at work. So, like, I was working yeah. more and whatever. But, like, now that we're... Um, 
out of the holiday season and things are a bit more chill. Um, we may have to do one less in February because I might go to New Orleans one of my weekends off okay. for my birthday. But Oh, fun. Well, so the other thing that I think we can do once in a while, because every time we get together for book club, I'm like, we managed to get 10 adults in a room every four weeks. Yeah. So why can't Frank and I just be on the same couch like once every other week? But we should embrace the Skype record once in a while. Like if we just want to watch something on a Google Hangout and be lazy and not leave our own homes, we could do that. Oh yeah. I mean, if you can figure out how to do it, I'm all over it. I'll make that a resolution to figure out how to do. Okay. Okay. That works. There we go. So... Do we want to, let's do some background on NYC prep in general, like when it aired and all that kind of stuff before we get into our first And real quick, I followed everyone I could on Twitter who had a Twitter. (laughs) It was slim pickings. Yeah. Like a lot of them obviously made Twitters just for this and then never used them again that have like one tweet from 2009. And this show aired 10 years ago. Yeah. So it aired from June to August 2009 on Bravo. So Twitter also was, was it relatively new then? Yeah, newer. I mean, it wasn't yeah. as adapted as it is now. Right. So maybe Bravo was like, you have to be on this platform, and that's why they did it, and they just don't care about it. I mean, a couple of them still do. Uh, one of them in particular, I believe it was Kelly. Or no, was it Kelly or Camille? One of them I is private, and I, I asked to follow her. We'll see if she responds. Right. And do we know anything about why the show wasn't renewed? I'm sure we can come up with theories as we watch, but do we know why? I believe... And I could be wrong about this because it has been 10 years. Um, But I think, A, a lot of them are going off to college. So that was one of the issues because, I mean, they were all going to different colleges, different places. Um, But I believe there might have been a lot of backlash. Okay. Like, I think the parents weren't happy with the way the kids were portrayed. I mean, some of them are very young. Some of them are very young. And what you're going to see that they would never get away with now, even 10 years later, is kind of like the hills but worse because they were even younger yeah they're at bars all the time yeah like getting wasted and they show the names of the bars i mean they'd be shut down now they would not get away with that so all right that makes sense but yeah i mean i think it was kind of always intended to just be like a one-off okay unless they were going to do other kids like every season do new kids or unless they were going to do like gossip girl style 18 and older kind of thing like young college kids who maybe grew up in new york and now went to columbia or something but I think that they, I think the parents had a fit. And I don't know how good the readings were. Okay. Yeah, we can check that too. One of the girls is only 15. And looking at her kind of like... Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's frightening. Like, I feel bad for her mother. Why? I don't know. She just seems so young and impressionable. And to like, watch her mom watch her BBM like a boy. I'm like, oh God. Oh. Like, I, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't think she like looks like a child? No. Okay, I do. You never walk by like high school kids or college kids now and you're like, God damn, they look young. I do, but this, I don't know. I mean, she just doesn't seem, I mean, she doesn't look 12. No, but maybe it's also a young girl thing and I know that what young girls are up to and I'm thinking, so she's 20 years younger than me and she's like hair flipping and talking to boys and it just like sends shivers up my spine. I don't know. When I was 15, I was going to clubs. So was, I mean... Well, you were a lot cooler than me. We've established that. <laughs> That's not what I meant. But I mean, just like all my friends were. Like, so it just doesn't, this doesn't seem like. Well, I was not a saint either. I'm just like, I don't know. The thought of like a 15 year old girl, like flirting with boys and like trying to get them into bed. I'm like, ah, now that I'm older. I don't oh. know. Yeah. All right. I realize it's a thing. <laughs> I watched it happen. I just, I don't know. I feel bad for her mom now. 
I'm old. All right, moving on. So our first personal profile that we're doing, and for this series, we have decided to call them bougie bios. Thank you to my co-host for helping me constantly come up with these. It's harder, <laughs> it's harder than it needs to be. So bougie bio number one is PC, Peter Carey Peterson. So... Peter's parents are David Peterson and Paige Matthews. They were married in 1985, and it was announced in the New York Times, which proved very helpful for the parental bios. So she was an actress from California, and he was an associate at a merchant bank in New York and worked with his father, who was the chairman of the bank. Of course. So, you know, finance money. It's New York. PC's grandfather is a former Secretary of Commerce for the United States, Peter George Peterson. He was Secretary of Commerce from 1972 to 1973 under President Nixon. Oh. Yeah. So I don't have an exact birth date for PC, but he was born around 1990. So pretty much everyone on this show is like 90 to 92, maybe 93. Um, Yeah. When you do the math on Taylor. And I'm sure we're going to see somebody's birthday. So maybe we can figure out more dirt then. So after NYC prep ended. PC was in the movie 12. With Chase Crawford. In 2010. Okay. And it it looks like a Gossip Girl episode as a movie. It's about, and it's called 12? Yeah. It's like about some like Upper East Side drug dealer or something. And he must have like a little cameo in it. All right. He has an IMDb profile because of that, though. Oh. Um, so there's not that much happening with PC. He's a photographer now. His Instagram is actually pretty active, and some of his photos are quite lovely. But most recently, he made headlines uh, almost exactly this time last year because he got married in Las Vegas, and Tiffany Trump was the flower girl at his wedding ceremony. So... I'm pretty sure he's gay now. I thought so too. Or he might be openly bi. Not sure. Maybe. But he married a woman. He married his friend, Quentin Esme Brown, who actually her Instagram was a lot more interesting to me than his, but she's not on this show. So I had to stop. Wait, looking is at she it. a foreigner? I feel like he may have married her to keep her in the country or something. I kind of remember something about this. I thought I there was like so. a reasoning behind it. No, I don't think so. Um, I do want to look her up and find out more about her, though. She looks like a classic New York City kid as well. She posted a tribute to her father, who passed away 13 years ago, it said. And he would be 84 today. And it was all these pictures of her as a kid with her dad. And it was a very, like young girl with an older looking like financier father type of thing. Maybe it's Brown from Brown University. Maybe. I don't know. Um, so the interesting thing is that they got married in Las Vegas in January of 2018. Tiffany Trump was there. And so they were, all these people were in Las Vegas for their friend Andrew Murray's fashion event. And Andrew Murray gave an interview to Page Six about how upset he was that they got married on his celebration weekend. Oh. And he said, I'm very happy for them, but, you know, he thinks it sucks, basically. (laughs) So this is from bravotv.com, and it's quite a read. 
The nature of Brown and Peterson's relationship had many confused after the below post of the newlyweds hit Instagram. Unconventional yet unconditional. Married to my best friend, my soulmate, the person who has never turned back on me and vice versa. We have one life. Free yourself. Brown captioned a photo of the couple. P.S. We've never had sex. It's pure friendship. That caption caused many to question the legitimacy of the wedding. Peterson clarified that he and Brown did in fact tie the knot, but they planned to date other people while still remaining a married couple. I'd like to set the record straight. Esme and I got married in Las Vegas this weekend. For over 10 years, we have been discussing this. This was a sober decision that we planned over the weekend. Many of you know that Esme and I have been best friends since we were kids. Was this spur of the moment? Yes, but we have talked about this for 10 years. Esme and I have never been romantically involved. We will continue to date others and live our lives. I understand many people will not understand or agree with this, but Esme and I have taken a progressive step towards what we believe marriage should be. I need to be constantly evolving, growing, and progressing. This is something I apply to every part of my life. We did this because we want to finalize our commitment to each other as life partners and best friends. Life is short, and I just want to be happy. Actually, that's what I was thinking of, and I guess I'm just a small-minded bigot because I assumed it was to keep her in the country, <laughs> but um, yes, I did know that, that it was like a sexless um, friend marriage. Yeah. Also, I don't think she's on this show. No. The other interesting Which thing- Which she should have been if they were- I thought Jesse was his best friend 10 years ago. Right. And I'm not offended by the fact that they got married. I don't really care. But what I find more interesting is that neither one of them is on each other's Instagram like once since the wedding weekend. Maybe they had a falling out. I don't know. And Are they then still I married? I don't know. I was looking to see if it was annulled or if they were still married and I couldn't find that. So But that's the latest with PC and now he travels all over the world taking photos. Not sure for who or for what or if he makes money off it, but that seems to be what he's doing now. So Just for pledge, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's still... I think that might be a theme with the bougie bios is that they're all just still rich and fucking off and doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. He's well, not Jesse. <clears throat> right. We'll get to that. Okay. But when I was doing That's some true. digging, Jesse does, is doing That's true. Thing, well, real he's, things. He's pretty talented with a camera, so there you go. All right. Should we dive into this I think episode? we should. I think we should. And I don't know if we mentioned it, but I have seen this before. Mare has not. This was a first viewing for her. <laughs> and I had a lot of, like, teenage cringy moments <laughs> watching the show. And some for the parents. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I did a lot of, like, shoulders up, like, cringing. <laughs> we opened the episode with an epic montage of what, like, prep school in New York City is like. And... I don't know. I, I don't have any major mind-blowing takeaways from that. It is what I mean, basically, expect. they just let us know that, like, all the prep schools are on the Upper East Side. They're all within 20 blocks of each other. Which is actually Every, pretty nuts. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Um, so you don't have to go to the same school. It just becomes, like, a big gossip fest. It almost feels like a giant university with, like, slightly different campuses or something. Yeah. Because they don't talk about school. Or it was edited out because it would be boring and no one cares. But... I don't know that that many of them go to the same school. Um, I think that Camille and Kelly might go to the same school. And clearly PC and Jesse do. But Or um, he goes to the male equivalent of her girls' school or yeah. something. But um, I think that also might have been, now it's like, I'm like Celine Dion, it's all coming back to me. I think the <laughs> schools had a shit fit. Oh, I bet. And Good I point. believe some of them may have even, who weren't done yet, 
may have been threatened to be kicked out. So I think that was another issue that the schools were like, none of our kids can participate in this shit. That makes sense, actually, with all the, like, wealthy people involved, too, and donors and whatnot. I believe that. Okay. So the episode really opens with PC and Jesse sitting at a restaurant. Philippe. Philippe. Yes. Yeah, I'm loving all of these, like, overpriced, mediocre restaurants we're going (laughs) to see on this show. And they are sitting... They're always sitting in the back or, like, upstairs, too, because of filming. And they're talking about college. And, you know, where they want to go, what's important to get into, why they should work connections. And then PC dazzles us with the fact that money buys you advantage. Yeah. I I didn't know that. I mean, <laughs> I really appreciate this young little shit teaching me that. So then Jesse says she really wants to get in on her own merits and doesn't want to work connections. And PC informs her that's what New York is. Money is power. <laughs> yeah, he's a big fan of money is power. Yeah. But it's not right. He's very big on like, it shouldn't be like this, but money is power. <laughs> but also, I since it, I have it, I'm going to use it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the other thing I want to ask Jesse is... Yeah, she wants to get in on her own academic merit. But what about your life doesn't make you think that you're not already connected as hell? I mean, your school, your money, your address, the color of your face. Like, I just... Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. You know what she doesn't have going for her, though? Oh. You, I'm not, I'm not going to say... I'm not saying that. You could say it. Um, she's not an attractive lady. She, she in her... There's one, like, confessional look of Jessie's, and when I first saw it, I went, oh. I mean, she claims to be this fashionista, but her face reads, I work at the Dairy Queen. Yeah, yeah. She definitely has some, and, like, her hairstyle's not helping, and some well, of the and makeup's a, not helping. Actually, that's a huge part of the problem. The whole time watching this, I just kept thinking, she would look amazing with, like, a short, asymmetrical haircut with, like, a heavy bang. Yeah. Like, real edgy. Like, if she's going to go with this fashion look, but to have this weird kind of, like... She has, like, long, layered... nothing, weirdly <laughs> too short the top layered hair... Yeah. ...that's doing nothing for her. Yeah. And she also... I feel like some Invisalign or something like that would also maybe help a little. Yeah. Why doesn't she have braces? I don't know. I With all that money, I, yeah. I don't... I don't know. And she, in other shots, I find her, I wouldn't say attractive, but like she looks better in other shots. But some of these confessionals, I just, I don't understand. And don't get me wrong. The only reason I'm saying any of this is because she holds herself up as this like beautiful fashionista Upper East Side maven. And that's not what I'm getting from her. Her fashion's not bad though. At least it wasn't in this episode. I mean, it's not terrible, but I don't see anything and think, wow, that's edgy and amazing. No, but for an Upper East Sider in 2009, I'm not angry at anything yet. Yeah. And the, actually, the outfit I like the most is the one the sales associate put her in. Yeah. We didn't see her wear it anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jessie is obsessed with fashion, and she thinks of her clothes as her children. And I... At first thought, she said she worked at Barney's. <laughs> That's I'm an idiot. No one works anywhere. She's had a person help her buy clothes at Barney's since she was a child. And actually, I bet she does treat her clothes like she's going to treat her future children by just seeing them once or twice a year and yeah. keeping them hidden away the rest of the time. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> 
So she works with a charity called Operation Smile, which is pretty big and familiar. It's for children with cleft palates. And PC's <clears throat> oddly anti-children with cleft palates. He says there are greater problems in the world that need to be addressed before cleft palates. And I understand what he's saying, but he doesn't back it up with anything like a charity that he's working with. Like, is he fighting pollution or feeding hungry children? Or like, if you're going to throw that, then back it up. Like, talk about how you're making effort to do something else. She's at least contributing to kids in need. Well, I think his whole shtick is that I can be a pompous ass because then I can throw in these little mini I think I'm woke moments being like, it's not about appearances. Like, there are people starving. Like, we should be worried about that. Not Because he doesn't get that, like, a cleft palate has other issues right. than just making your face look funny. Right. It can affect breathing and... But I think you know. that's how he gets... I think that's how he lives with himself. Right. I think he can think, like, oh, I'm a good person because I say things like that despite the fact that I'm obsessed with money, power, looks, whatever. Right. And then he says causes are kind of a new thing. It's like they people think they make them popular. <laughs> well, and it, I do... I think there was a big transition, too, from colleges really wanted to see young people being involved in things. It wasn't just about being involved at your school. It wasn't about doing well academically and like being on yearbook. They wanted you to be thinking outside the box and contributing and that kind of stuff. So I think that's what he means, but also everyone should be contributing and doing things. Well, I wonder part of it is too, that I know that at some point, and it's been this way for years now in Montgomery County, Maryland, you have to have completed a certain number of service hours right. at public school before you can even get your diploma. Yeah. So I'm sure this was like the precursor to that. Right. Um, my high school, we did a service day each semester, but it basically meant that you like cleaned up a park for two hours and then you left. But, yeah. you know, and I was in high school quite a while before these kids. <laughs> so then we meet Kelly. And Kelly is a cute little brunette. And she and her family lived in the Hamptons and, quote, she decided to move back to the city. She did, though, we find out later. Yeah, because she wants to sing. And we get a little clip of her singing. We get to hear her song later. <laughs> and actually, when I was tweeting, when I was looking for her Twitter, um, she didn't have one. But all of these people were like, they mentioned her song, and a lot of them were like, when's she going to do another song? That song was the bomb. Like, Ooh. people are into her songs. So. All right, don't spoil it for me. I haven't heard it. I don't remember it, so okay. nothing to spoil. So then she clearly lives in her, parent, her parents' pied-a-terre with her brother yeah. in the city. Who was named Rory, I think? He didn't get a nameplate. Yeah. I thought that's what she said. I think it was Rory. Well, she's also Kelly with an I, so I think they both have longer, more formal names that they've shortened. Well, like what? I don't know. Caleficent? Yeah. <laughs> PC is Peter Peterson. They're rich people. Who knows what their names are? We'll find out. But like, what could Kelly possibly be short for? Kellington? I don't... Yeah. Who knows? I like this theory. On on Wikipedia, she's just Kelly. Okay. All right. Maybe it was just a 90s thing, too. <laughs> I don't know. Fun. People have like long, formal, weird names. Oh, I know. I had a, my friend Felicia's middle name was. Um, oh shit! Now I can't remember. It'll come back to me later. But it's crazy. It starts with the B. Breckenridge. Breckenridge. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Who knows? And Rory. I mean, it could be like Rourke or like. I don't know. Yeah, we'll get to that. 
we'll figure it out. So then we see her and her brother having dinner with their parents who come into the city. It looks like, I don't know, once or twice a week to have dinner with their kids. Once a week. <clears throat> once a week. She said once a week. And they order Chinese food and their kitchen looks completely untouched. Like they just, they don't know where the plates are. They don't know where the silverware is. There's nothing in their refrigerator. Well, what I thought was weird is they didn't even know if they had paper towels. She's like, do we have paper towels? Why? I don't think we'd have paper towels in this house. And I'm like, if you're ordering delivery food all the time, you for fuck's sake for sure have paper towels. Yeah. And also, even in 2009, if you were rich on the Upper East Side, weren't you getting some things delivered? Oh, you mean for the kitchen or food? Just like anything, like granola bars, paper towels, bottled waters. I don't know. I guess they just eat out every meal. Sounds amazing to me. Yeah. But I mean, like also their building probably has like a doorman or concierge or whatever to help two teenage kids living alone in the apartment. I don't know. What do I know? So they have dinner with their parents. So then we see Kelly at dinner with some friends and her friend Megan, who we don't see again this episode, says, I invited my friend Sebastian. And then Kelly clearly has a thing for Sebastian. Who is the you, bane of my existence. Oh, he's the worst person ever. <laughs> my hatred for him has not abated whatsoever in the 10 years since I last saw this show. I hate him so much. He's the worst. His fucking hair flips. His, like, weird mush mouth talking. Him thinking he's the hottest thing ever and he's hideous. Like, it's... Ugh. I can't stand it. He's awful. Awful. Yeah. And he just gets more awful as the series goes on. And I feel like this is noteworthy because we're actually agreeing on a male figure in a show. He's awful. awful. And if I see him touch the front of his hair one more time, I'm gonna scream. And for our hundredth episode, because I think it'll occur over NYC Prep, maybe that should be our drinking game. Every, oh, every yeah. time Sebastian touches his hair. We'll be shithoused. I know. I do actually remember when we get to it, I have a very expensive bottle of champagne in the fridge that I got for Christmas. Yeah, I think we should definitely make an event yeah. out of our hundredth. But so Sebastian basically, he says that his hobby is hooking up with chicks and I hook up a lot. That's what he says. He's also like, all of these kids go to really good schools and most of them for teenagers are pretty well-spoken. Not Sebastian. He, I hook up a lot. He's well, just got that broy thing happening that I'm I can't also ninety five percent sure he's a huge stoner. I think he's just like stoned all the time too. Okay. All right. And French. He's French. Don't get me started on the French. We'll get to that later. So he says he can hook up t- with two to three girls per night. And then he has Kelly put her number in his BlackBerry. And then he says, depending on what parties you go to, you can hook up with anywhere between two and 16 girls in a month. In a month, yep. So did he say 16 because that's like four weeks, two a night on the weekends? Like, I don't, I didn't understand the math. Well, I guess some months he only goes out once. (laughs) Since he hooks up with two to three girls a night, and in some months you can hook up between two and 16 girls... I guess sometimes he only goes out once. Also, is hooking up with two people in a month bragworthy? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I whatever. Then we meet Camille, and Camille seventeen. She's seventeen. Thank you. I didn't know any of their ages. Oh, I can tell you all of them. 
PC's 18, Jesse's 17, Kelly's 16, her brother, possible Rory, is 18, Sebastian's 16, Camila's 17. Okay, and Taylor's 15. And Taylor's 15, yeah. Okay. So Camille is quite a driven young lady. She says her dream is to end up working at a genetics firm. Yep. And Running a genetics firm. Oh, working sorry. at. Sorry. Running. Sorry. And then she said, and then at 40, you know, be married with two girls. Yeah. Which, awesome. Who yeah. run the world? Girls. And she also really wants to go to Harvard. She does. But I, I mean, she also says later that she doesn't ever want to waste her own potential. Which is awesome. I mean, she's probably a snobby little shit, but, like, she's driven, and I respect that. I do, I think I really liked Camille the first time I watched this. Um, We'll see how I feel about her this time. But I remember her being, like, driven and purposeful and not just, like, a vapid little, like, ah. Yeah, and she has, like, a, a sophistication to her without being bitchy like Jessie. Yeah. At least in this episode. We'll see how it goes from there. And I, I think that the real difference between Camille and Jesse and their bitchiness is that you can tell that Jesse's is coming from a place of low self-esteem. Yes. And Camille has high self-esteem. Right. And it's a very different... Right. So she is sitting with her mother having breakfast and coffee at a place called Sarah Beth's and she wants to check her SAT score. And they're both pleasantly surprised. They don't say what it is on camera. Which is annoying. I know. She says she's in a top percentile. And then her mother says, you know, if you want to take them again, do you think that you could do better? And she said, oh, I know that I'm capable of a perfect score. And I was like, get it, girl. Yeah. Go. She's a boss bitch. Yeah, I wasn't capable of that by a long shot. And, you know, then she says she just wants to take this holiday break to relax. So then we meet Taylor, who, as we said, is 15. And she goes to public school on the Upper West Side and lives with her mom. Her parents are divorced. But this is no ordinary public school. No. She of says not. that everyone in her school yeah. goes to all the Ivy Leagues, Columbia, Brown, I mean the whole deal. So right. it's So this was my this was the cringy moment for me with her and her mom, where she's just like <laughs> instead of flat out lying because she doesn't want to get in trouble for lying, she's just like not disclosing any information, which is a clever tactic, but it just like made me cringe and I felt bad for her mother because her mother just wants to know what's happening so badly. <laughs> she won't put down her Blackberry and she just says she's having a party. And her mom's like, where? With who? And she's like, it doesn't matter. It's just a party. No, she's what kind of party? She's like a party party. It's like a party. Yeah. And like, her mom's like, what are you saying? And then her mom says, well, I'm not going to let you have it unless you tell me what it is. And it ends up being like a dinner at a restaurant. It's one of those things she didn't even need to lie about. No. Because every kid probably paid their own way too. Like she basically. Well, that's the other thing I'm very confused about because there's a lot of money stuff with Taylor where it makes it seem like she's middle class as opposed to these really rich kids. Yeah. Um, but then she says she's throwing this party at a Japanese restaurant for like 15 people. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. I know. Right. Like, are you broke or are you not broke? And these, I'm sorry, but these private school kids, or even the public school kids, if you said, I'm throwing a party, come, and then you expected them to pay for themselves, they would be apoplectic. Right. I and would she, be apoplectic. I'd be like, she, what the fuck? That's terrible form. And Taylor kept saying, it's important for me to throw this party. Meaning, yeah. like, it'll help her social standing. So I'm assuming she's paying for it. But with what? I, I don't, don't think she's the kind of kid who has their parents' credit card. I know. 
But I'm saying, this was the scene where I felt bad for her mother. I yeah. just want, I was like, please just throw your mother a bone. Like, please just say one sentence of information. And she's just, she's 15. Like, she's just, mom, it doesn't matter. And I can't, I can't. I've been there. I've done it. And then as soon as her mother walks away, she picks up her Blackberry again. It's a reoccurring theme with her and her mother, too, that they fight about how much she uses her Blackberry. Because we saw it twice already in this episode. Yeah. <clears throat> so, then we see... But, conversely, I bet compared to today, these kids are on their phones way less than oh, teenagers now. Probably. Way less. Yeah. Um, so then Sebastian calls Kelly, and they go shopping downtown. And they're in Chelsea. So yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting what Upper East Side kids consider downtown, because I would consider downtown like Soho, but I also have never lived in New York, so who knows? Um, and she tries on clothes, and they're implying that it's like flirtatious that she's like modeling this dress for him or whatever, and he's just touching his hair and doing nothing of substance. And then she gets a phone call that Taylor is having a party. And then we're at this restaurant, and I think it's called Japonais, which Sebastian should know all about as a French speaker. He totally should. And there are some public school kids there and some private school kids there, and it is only girls. Yep. It's like 15 girls. And it seems to be way more, I think it's all public school girls except for Camille. And Kelly. And Kelly. Right. So then Kelly announces that she invited her friend, Sebastian, because I think she thinks it makes her look cool. And then Sebastian is just sitting at a table full of girls, and he says, I was excited to see Kelly, but then I realized there are a lot of girls here. And Taylor does look pretty instantly in love with him. Yeah. And she asks him what his hobbies are, and it made me uncomfortable. Did she? I thought the girl sitting next to him asked her what no, asked I think, his hobby was. I think Taylor thought she was like being bold and like her own woman. And she was like, what are your hobbies? And she like whispered it. <laughs> Which is probably bolder than I was at 15, <laughs> but it still made me cringe anyway. And he like can't even answer the question because he wants to say hooking up with chicks, but he can't say that. So he said, I don't know, being 16. And walking on the beach. That was a joke though. Well, I know, but Gross. I think being 16 was probably a joke too. Yeah. <laughs> So then we get a quick scene of Jesse at the clothing store Blue and Cream, which I remember from... Oh, no. You're, did, did we cut back to the party after that? Mm-mm. Because my favorite line at the party was when Camille turns to some random person to her left and goes, how did you get forced into being here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, that was good. Oh, and Camille and Kelly leave the party. Yes, they leave because Kelly's, Kelly's upset that Taylor and Sebastian have a connection. Right. I didn't even write that down. So then we're at Blue and Cream, which is a store I remember from Real Housewives of New York. It's in. It started in the Hamptons, and I think Bethany and Alex, flashback, shopped there once. Bethany, who's going to die from fish any minute. Oh my God, what is wrong with her? And also, like... If someone has that bad of a fish allergy, which I've tried, I'm curious if that's actually a thing, you shouldn't be eating out anymore. Like, well, I did in one of the Facebook groups, somebody posted that I'm in um, a segment from two, 2013 where she was making fish on a yeah. cooking show. So it must be a newer allergy that she's acquired. And then someone else rang in and said, like, every time you have a reaction with this fish allergy, it gets worse. So I guess, like, 
Cartagena was the first, and then the second one with the EpiPen was even worse, and so if there was fish in the recirculated air, I'm not excusing it, but... No, but still, like, if her fish allergy is that bad, is what I'm saying is, like, lay off restaurants for a while. Well, somebody said in the... Well, because the most recent one was in a restaurant, I was like, plane. Did you not hear the most recent one? No, I did. Yeah, but they said that because in a restaurant the air isn't recirculated that you'd be okay, but in a plane, because the air is recirculated, the fish would be running around or whatever in the air. I'm just... I'm just saying. But I will die if they film the new season and she's, like, at a sushi restaurant, because I will flip my shit. But also, like... I mean, I'm sure she's used to making demands of restaurants all the time, but, like, it is entirely possible that, like, a chef could plate something with fish and then plate something that isn't fish. And she would have to call ahead and be like, I'm deathly allergic to fish. And then a restaurant would be terrified and they probably wouldn't want to serve her. Well, she would just tell them when she went in. No, you, for an allergy that severe, you should tell them ahead of time. Oh, I mean, I grew up with a friend in high school who has, a, like, if she touches fish, she could die. Yeah. And when we would go out to eat places, she would just tell them when we got there, it was fine. Oh my god. That freaks me out. Allergies are such a thing now, though. I feel like restaurant. well, obviously my husband owns a restaurant, and now I have an increased paranoia of people with allergies. So, Bethany, make your phone calls ahead of time, girl. So then we're at a restaurant called Apiary with Jessie. Oh, no, Blue and Cream. Didn't yeah. even finish it. Um, so she's trying on this outfit that a sales associate helps her pick, and I actually really like it. She's wearing almost like Ariana Grande-style thigh-high boots with, like, this tartan plaid dress kind of thing with a big belt. And I'm into it. And someone says it's very Gossip Girl, and she says, I hate that show. Um, lies, you love it, and you love that it's based on your life, and you literally masturbate to that every night. She says it, like, gets in her way, and they film on her block, and blah, blah, blah. She's like, ugh, like, I just want to get up in the morning and, like, go get a coffee and a taxi, and I can't, because there's, like, a trailer in front of my house. Yeah. That show is responsible for you being on TV right now, and you love it. I just want to punch her in her moon pie face. Well, then she's having what I can only imagine is dinner at Apiary with her friend Zoe. Who's 17. And she says she's wearing $20 clothes. And Jesse says, you're so downtown. Yeah. Because they were talking about a thrift store. Right. Um, and then Jesse goes on this, she's like, oh, have you heard about the Facebook group? There's a Facebook group and it's all about gossip about like the Upper East Side kids. And it would be like, JL was seen getting into a car with... Like, so-and-so again. I thought they were over. Which, by the way, you're describing Gossip Girl, you idiot. And um, she's like, I just I just don't want people talking about me. Like, why do they have to talk about me? And I wrote, Jessie would die if no one talked about her. She is also masturbating to this. She's getting off on it intensely. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> if this Facebook group never said a word about her? She would throw herself off the Empire State Building. Of course. Yeah. And then we have a conversation about PC and her and how they're just friends and their relationship's great. And then he picks her up to go to this fashion and art event at a store called Mina. And Camille and Kelly are also at the event. Oh, wait, you forgot PC's uh, quote from the limo, where he's all bent out of shape because someone texted him, PC can charm the skin off a snake, but will one day be bitten by the creature. Right. And Jesse cracks up. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so Camille and Kelly show up at this fashion event, 
and they're talking to PC who is of course cocky and like kisses them both on the cheek and Jesse gets all butthurt about it. And I don't remember who said it, Camille or Kelly, but they asked PC, which Hampton do you have a house in? I think Camille said it actually. I think so. Yeah. And he says bridge and water mill. He says two places. But I wasn't sure if that was two different places or if they were like, if there's like a Bridgehampton, I know Bridgehampton is a thing, but there's a Bridgehampton road, like Watermill is the road on maybe Bridgehampton. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe Watermill might be a neighborhood in Bridgehampton. Maybe. Or maybe he has two houses. It's also possible. Yeah. We can look that up if we're that invested. But then again, Kelly is the, the eye of the boy and he asks for her number in the Blackberry. But I loved her testimonial, and I think even then, when she keeps talking about how stylish he is, which is very obviously a code for gay. I know. Like, she won't just say, like, oh, he's really good looking, but, like, he's gay, obviously. But she's just like, he's very stylish. Like, very stylish. And then when he walked away, they both commented on how, quote, put together Together he is. Yeah. They're code for, he's a big homo, and I don't want to date a homo. Ladies, go home and watch Clueless. (laughs) (laughs) And he even kind of looks like that guy. Yeah. So, oh, that was the other thing. In some of his testimonials, I think PC kind of looks like a baby-faced, not-as-cute Darren Chris. Oh, for sure. With, like, the the tan jacket and the popped collar. Like, he's got a rounder face, but, like, that's kind of who he looks like. Oh, I think PC's very cute. He's cute, yeah. Um, He also looks like a younger, less puffy um, Adam Pauly. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So then the next day, I guess, or a couple days later, we're in Jesse's apartment again with Zoe and PC arrives and they're talking about how he's going on a quote date with Kelly. And when he kisses them both on the cheek, we notice there's a wedding photo of Jesse's parents and the father is blurred. Yeah. And they make a big deal about the picture because her Zoe is saying how much Jessie looks like her mom in yeah. the wedding photo. And I'm curious when we do her bio, who her dad is or was at the time. I think hers is going to be hard because like I said, she's no social media presence. She's only on LinkedIn. I think she's a very private person. So. Yeah. Well, Could always look up Operation Smile. It's true. I can be quite a sleuth when I want yeah, to. Yeah, no, you're, you're good. You're good. PC, I only gave like 10 minutes today <laughs> when I was sitting <laughs> in my car because I didn't want to wake you up early. <laughs> So then Jesse is clearly upset that he's going to this dinner. She's taking the stance of, I just want, I don't want any new friends. No, you don't want any new friends who are prettier than you. And Jesse very clearly, I mean, sorry, PC very clearly has said, like, this is a friend thing. And, and they make jokes about having dinner earlier. I think what also, I wonder how much of this is manufactured because these kids were all cast. Yeah. So I'm sure he had to go to dinner with them. Right. Yeah. Um, so then we're at a random, I don't even know what to call the store where Taylor's at with her mother. Oh, it was called Longchamp and it was for sure a dance store. Oh, okay. So I was going to call it, it's basically like a leotard store or like a... <laughs> no, because well, I, again, a friend of mine from high school was a dancer and worked at the, there was one in Aspen Hill. She worked at the dance store. They sell like Capizio stuff and okay, dance yeah, belts. Yeah. And... So what does her mom call the color? I meant to write that down. Oh, it was 
something pink. Respite pink? Res- it was like, it sounded like respiratory pink. It started with an R and I was like, that, I don't know what she called it. Yeah, and it was weird. I'm guessing it's a sp- specific shade of pink tight for dance class yeah. that they need to have. Repository pink? Something really Maybe. weird. Maybe. It was very weird. <laughs> I meant to write it down. So this is another cringy scene with her and her mom because she's on her Blackberry and she's texting Sebastian. And she is so excited that he's blowing up her phone, but she's trying to hide it. And then her mom is asking her all these questions like, who's Sebastian? What's he look like? Does he have long hair, short hair? Is it, is it curly? Is it, you know, is it straight? Is he thin or is he chubby? And then she makes a joke like, no, he's super fat, mom. Yeah, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> So then Taylor says in her testimonial, she says, like, I would take dating advice from my mom. She's divorced and doesn't have a boyfriend. (laughs) Truth. Truth. And then we see them get in the elevator. She just like has so much disdain for her mom, which a lot of 15 year old girls do. And I was one of them. But I think reliving it just like makes me feel sad. Well, I think too, we get something different with, um... Taylor, because her mom's actually a major part of her life all the time, where everyone else's parents are kind of in and out. Right. So we see more of it with her. Right. And I guess if she's the public school kid whose mom is actually kind of like up her butt, she wants to be that rich kid whose parents leave her alone so badly. I mean, I forget that I wanted that really badly too. I did think I forgot to say that like way earlier when she's introduced, she says something really funny about um, how it's great having all these rich private school friends because you go places and right. they just pay for you. Right. Which makes me laugh hysterically because I had a bunch of rich friends when I was in high school and I found the opposite to be true because rich people never have cash. So if you go anywhere <laughs> where like they don't take credit cards, you have to pay for them. And it would happen a lot. It was really fucking annoying. Yeah. I think these scenes make me cringe, too, because my mom was a Taylor's mom. She always wanted to know more information. One of her go-to moves was to accuse me of things to see if I would admit to anything. Like, she'd be like, I know you were out last night. And I'd be like, Mom, I, I didn't go anywhere. You know, like, that was one of her things. And I was always the one who had to be home earlier than everybody else. And, like, other friends were allowed to do things alone with boys, and I never was. So, like, my mom was, like, a Taylor's mom. So I think I, like, feel bad in retrospect. See, my mom was a Taylor's <laughs> mom, and it doesn't bother me. Well, my mom passed away. Well, and I, I miss her and I like feel bad that I was ever like a little shit you know what I mean oh I thought it was just making you like extra cringy no I like I can't believe like I ever did that to my mom my poor oh mom. okay gotcha I didn't realize you were coming at it from that place <laughs> no that's why I feel bad for her mom I'm like oh mom I'm sorry <laughs> it was never worth it those stupid New Year's Eve parties so then we have to fucking watch Sebastian and Gabe on a double date uh, Gabe is 16, and Remy, who is one of the dates, is also 16. Yeah. All the, a lot of these girls look the same. That's another thing we need to discuss. All brunettes. All brunettes with long hair. Yeah. And tiny teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has tiny teeth on I mean, the show. Except for Jessie, who's the only blonde. Yeah. It's tiny teeth, though. Yeah. Well, so then she flirts with Sebastian about the fact that he speaks French, and so he speaks some French and he says that he adores her totally and he wants to marry her tonight and I died on the inside. And then there's a brief conversation about if they're dating anybody else and how life is just about having fun and like dating is for when you're like 25. <laughs> oh no, he said that you settle down at 25. He's like 25, you like stop partying, you get married, you have kids. I was like, oh, you're so young. 
Yeah, 25, God. And then they have a little kiss outside the restaurant. Yeah. Pretty much it. Yeah, Gabe a lot of hair flipping and oh now, my god. Are we saving the Gabe and Sebastian story for the bougie bio? No, drop it now. Okay, so when I was digging into finding people's Twitter accounts, um, an article came up about Sebastian and Gabe that on I think it was August thirteenth, two thousand nine. So while the show was airing, um, pictures surfaced of them in Hitler mustaches. Um, and in a car and they'd put, you had taken black tape and made swastikas all over the car. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Great boys. Yeah. Also, this really just goes to show you <clears throat> that you can be hideous on the inside and outside. And if you have money, people will still like you because I yeah. could at least kind of conceivably see how someone who never heard Sebastian open his mouth would think he was attractive, even though he's not my type. If he was like in a teen magazine, a picture, oh, yeah. I could see it. Gabe? Looks like a fucking anorexic whooping crane. <laughs> he is hideous. Yeah, he is and a not. horrible human being. Obviously, if he's doing Nazi shit, but just because he's got money, he's got all these he had very cute girls too. Oh yeah, like after him. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I know. He actually kind of looks like his face got caught in a vice. Yeah, it's like long and really skinny. Yeah, and I think his nose, like he's a hatchet face. Like his nose could probably cut wood. <laughs> And our, my my one way ticket to hell is just sealed yet again. Uh, and then we have to watch PC on this date with well, and shockingly, they showed the name of the restaurant, which two twelve two twelve NYC. Yeah, which they haven't shown us every name that we've seen this episode. But I was a little surprised because he trashed it. <laughs> yeah, he said the steak sucked. Yeah. So he thinks he's having a date with Kelly. And then Kelly shows up with Camille, which is a very teenagery thing to do. It is. And this is one instance where I am team PC. Well, I'm team PC a lot, but. If he used the word date, Kelly should have known better. Even if it's not a date, you just don't bring a random person without texting first and saying or calling and be like, hey, do you mind if I bring my friend? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when a boy asks you to dinner. Yeah. But anyone, I mean, like if you were, say, say you and I were having dinner and I decided to bring someone, I would text you and be like, Hey, I'm bringing so-and-so. That's cool. Right? Like, I mean, or at least like heads up, I'm bringing whomever. Yeah. True. I mean, if you have a reservation to two top, four top or because you'd have an extra person, like he was sitting at a four top. He was, but I'm saying she didn't know that beforehand. What if he was sitting in a two top? Yeah. Well, I'm saying it was, could have been a ploy. It could have been a ploy and it is a very teenagery thing to do, but I thought his rage about it was justified. Yeah. So then he says, I didn't know you were coming to Camille. And so then the girls say, we didn't get to meet Jesse the other night, you know, at the fashion event. And he says like, yeah, she can be a little like non-receptive to new people, but she's great. We've been friends since sixth grade and, but she can be a little bitchy. And they were kind of like, yeah, we picked up on that. And then he says that she does a lot of great work with Operation Smile. Suddenly he's turned on Operation Smile and it's now okay. And Camille says, like, oh, I I actually need to do more service work, which we forgot to mention is something she and her mother discussed when they were talking about her SAT scores. And so she says um, in her testimony that it's really nice to make dinner productive, meaning, like, for her future. Yeah. Because she's 
I'm guessing she's going to get involved with Jesse and Operation Smile now. Well, because she, Camille is kind of, and I think this is probably why I was drawn to her a little bit, even though I hated this character on the show at the time. She's like a real life Rory Gilmore. Like everything has a means to an end. It's like all about getting into the right school, all about doing the right things. So to her, everything is a connection that will get her to where she wants to be in life. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be surprised if she told Kelly, like you bring me to this lunch because I need to get in with Jesse because she does charity work and I need charity work. Yeah. But actually she's more like a Paris Gilmore Roy. I mean a Paris Geller Roy Gilmore hybrid. I feel like where I find that annoying in life. I respect that out of a young person on television who grew up with a massive amount of money. For sure. Like she's not a Sebastian just like futzing around and doing nothing. And she also, as we see in a little bit, even though she is, kind of like not opposed to using people to get what she wants she won't let someone walk all over her or be a dick to her yeah. to get what she wants she's like has no problem putting pc in his place later yeah i'm with you i like her so then he talks about how he ate blowfish the other day which oh uh, yeah he shits on the steak and then talks about blowfish yeah because blowfish is poisonous and you have to like be specially trained to serve it to people like you have to know how to cut it properly or whatever and he talks about the restaurant where he had it i didn't hear where he said i don't oh he did say uh Matutsa? Matu? Matu? It's, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's a famous restaurant in New York. I don't know if it's still open, but it used to be. Okay. So then he asks Kelly what she did on Friday night, and she says she was grounded. And he was like, grounded? I also was like, grounded. I'm like, your fucking parents live in the Hamptons. How are you grounded? I'm guessing what it means is that the one night they come to town, which must be like Friday night or something, they made her stay home. Well, because later then she's like, I just ignore it and do whatever I want anyway. So I'm like, why would you bother telling PC you were grounded if your parents aren't there and you do whatever you want anyway? Right. So I'm guessing she like got in trouble and her parents were like, you're staying home tonight and you're going to be home for the rest of the week. And then when they went back to the Hamptons, she just blew it off. Yeah. And then he says, what are you guys, like 12? And I get that attitude that seniors in high school really do think they're so much better than the other kids in high school. Camille's one year younger than him. Yeah, I think it's so funny that he's very much... He's like, they're juniors. They have so much to learn. Yeah. It's like, oh my... Also, I can tell you right now, Camille could dance intellectual circles around you, buddy. Yeah. Like, Camille, she looked rightfully offended, and like, she's, she's a lot brighter than him, and you can tell. So then she says, wow, you're really abrasive. (laughs) Just calls him right out. Love it. And then he asks them if they smoke. I mean, I started smoking in high school too. I guess that was like a flex because he was just... Well, and I don't know if he meant weed or cigarettes. I think he meant like, whatever, I'm going to go have a cigarette break. Like, because he's 18 and he could buy them. It was like a little tantrum. And then in his testimonial, he calls them little young bitches who don't understand anything. He says he wants to say that, but, but he, he can't. And yeah. they obviously get it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> He's a real charmer. Yeah. He actually didn't bother me that bad until that. And then in our kind of final scene of the episode, it's like two and one. PC has drinks with Jesse because he's now distraught and he doesn't want to date anymore. After this apparently traumatic meal with Kelly, which wasn't traumatic at all. He was... You didn't hit it off. Who cares? And I remember watching this and just spending the whole time waiting for him to come out. Because everything he said, he's like, I don't know what I want. I don't like, and I was like, you want a dick in your mouth is what you want. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you want. (laughs) 
So they're sitting at another like weird club or restaurant that I think it might have been Philippe's again. Yeah, it looked like the, I was gonna say it looked yeah. like the same restaurant from the opening scene because they're upstairs again in the same booth and the restaurant's not even open. Yeah. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. When he walks downstairs, every table's set, but no one's there. And he, she says, well, why don't you let me set you up with somebody? Because this is a classic move. Like, she probably has some feelings for him, but she's like, oh. Probably 10,000 yeah. million percent. So she's going to set him up with someone that she likes, but then she'll be mad about it on the side. Of course. So then I really couldn't follow the trail of conversation that happens here. She's talking about how she has this girl for him who's like tall, thin, brunette, pretty, whatever. And then all of a sudden he throws a bottle of water at her, but it has the cap on. So he gets somehow frustrated with the conversation. I didn't get why. Well, she is just like, you know, you're total huge. You're, I mean, she was being a little like nice and sort of condescending at the same time. I mean, I don't think it warranted a water bottle being thrown at her, but. Okay. And so then he throws this bottle at her and she gets up and leaves. And she's so angry, and she says, grow up, PC. Didn't get any water on her. It, well, I think because she's looking any excuse. She's mad at him because he didn't like her. Like, she likes him. So yeah. any excuse to flip out at him, I'm sure she's thrilled for. The bottle basically just, like, hit her hip. Yeah. Like, it didn't do any damage or anything. So then we get a final scene of him in the middle of Columbus Circle calling her to apologize. She almost sounded like she was crying. Um, didn't he, before that, though, call her a massive cunt? Yes, as she walked out, and he threw a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. But then, in his testimonial, he says that his friendship with Jesse is very important to him, and that he loves her, so he calls and apologizes. She sounded like she was crying when she answered the phone. Yeah. So I'm guessing this is immediately after they left the restaurant. Mm, yeah. Because it kind of looked like a place that could be in Columbus Circle, actually. And... He apologizes, and she says, okay, I love you. And then he, she says, where are you? And he said, I'm in the middle of Columbus Circle. And she says, you're such a tourist. Do you have a fanny pack? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. And then we get a coming up this season, which is going to be filled with lots of drama, um, hair flipping, drinking, and some casual bisexuality on PC's part. Oh, yeah. That was actually the most noteworthy thing from the previews. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it for NYC Prep episode one. And hopefully... Oh, wait. I have a very quick, because I looked it Ooh. up. Um, Philippe Restaurant is actually a Chinese restaurant. Come again? It's at 60th <laughs> Street, East 60th. Sophisticated Beijing-style cuisine near 5th and Madison Avenue. So Columbus Circle's... With a buzzing, glamorous clientele. They've obviously redone it since this episode aired, because it looks nothing like it does on the show. I think Columbus Circle's in the 60s, though, so it's close. So he walked a few blocks aimlessly, because he was upset. Looks nothing like it. So maybe it's been remodeled, or it used to be something else. Yeah, maybe. Either way. Yep. Um, Alright, so we will see you guys soon. (sighs) And that's our episode. And you can find the podcast on social media, Instagram and Twitter, at B. And if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at franklymarebb at gmail.com. You can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter, at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Hey It's B. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. We'd love it if you could go to iTunes and give us a star rating and review. And please subscribe. Until next time.